You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today on the Packernet Podcast, we are going to be talking about the Detroit Lions. I'm not a big fan of how much time there is, but we'll make do. Uh, There are two things I wanted to bring up. I'm not going to let it derail the plans like I did yesterday, but... Big, giant, massive shout-out to Jameis for jumping in on Patreon. Really do appreciate that. I know I talk a lot of nonsense about it's only a dollar grow-up type stuff. I'm, I'm joking around. I understand how ridiculous it is to give money to somebody who does something that's basically free to everybody. It's kind of like those websites, like The Athletic or whatever, that ask you to give them money to find news that I can find anywhere. It's like, dude, news is free. And podcasts are free. And I get that. You're under zero obligation to give me any money. So I'm, I'm, I'm joking around, but I do genuinely, under, and, and that's why when somebody gives me money, it, there's always that little thing in the back of my head that goes, really? You actually listen to me. That's very cool. Thank you for that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little rougher on the edges sometimes, but I'm joking around. But that's probably why you're here anyways. So I should stop apologizing for it. Just, you know, just wanted to let you know that I, I, I do appreciate it. Especially some people that have been doing this for a long time. See, now I am going to get sidetracked here. You got guys like Mike Lazuski, Jim Thompson, Mike Shannon, Kyle Bernston, Bill Pekorski, Jeff Augustine. I don't usually use last names, but I want to, you know, plus it's like Mike, Jim, Mike, Kyle, Bill. I'm, I'm, you know, you guys have been paying in for a while. Does anybody know how long it takes to pay in $34 when you give a dollar a month? <laughs> Jeff, it takes a little bit of a while. And for the record, a lot of these guys that I listed, because it's, I'm, I'm just going down the list of cumulative, they're given a lot more than a dollar a month. Well, not a lot more, but, you know, five to ten times more. That's just, it's just crazy to me. And I just wanted to say thank you. But anyways, the other, um, get in the group, like the Facebook page, Instagram is a thing, Twitter is pack underscore daddy, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your kids. Actually, you, you can, you can require, you, you can actually require your kids to listen to the show. I don't know if you know that. They're your kids. They're like your property. You do whatever you want with them. I, can tell, I just found out you can tell them to wash your car. Like, that's a thing. I made my daughter mow the lawn the other day. It was actually my wife's idea, which is great, because I didn't want to sound lazy. Because, like, I mean, I'm, I'll do it eventually. And then all of a sudden, my daughter's doing it. And it's like, yeah! Well, there you go! I already got her doing my dishes. This is great. Kids are great, dude. A little bit costly, but, I mean, they do stuff for you. So, uh, yeah, you can tell them. But anyways, those are some ways to uh, help out the podcast. Ratings and reviews on iTunes, etc., etc. Anyways, the other thing uh, before we start talking about the Lions was the news about Aaron Jones. It was, uh, I don't know what it was, an interview or whatever. But the interesting little tidbit that came from that is the news that apparently the Packers have talked with Aaron Jones or Aaron Jones's people about an extension. Now, there's nothing really concrete here. I want to be clear about that. But according to Aaron Jones's agent, Chris Cabot, he said, quote, there have been conversations and there will continue to be. Now, you could easily just look at that and say, well, of course, there's conversations. That doesn't mean that there's any agreement. Well, that's true. But also keep in mind how often there's been no communication. 
We hear that about superstar players. We've we heard that about Dak Prescott for a very long time. That's not still currently the case, but for a long time it was just we haven't heard anything yet. I mean that that's the case with a lot of people, including a lot of Green Bay Packers, where it's like, yeah, you know, I'd love to be here. So far, there's been no communication, and you, you know, you're kind of just sitting there with that oh face, like oh dude. I mean, you know, you know what that means, right? I mean, I don't want to have to tell. Should I tell them? They're under no obligation to have any conversations with the agent of Aaron Jones, and apparently they are. And so, given the fact that we know, I mean, we could just say it's out of courtesy, or that Aaron Jones' agent just kicked down Brian Gutekunst's door and was like, we're, we're talking now, and wasn't escorted out, excluding whatever conspiracy theories we can come up with or, or silly random things, I don't believe teams typically are going to have conversations with players that they have no intention of re-signing. And I think that's that's good news. As much as you look at it and say, you know, you shouldn't be paying it. and I mean, it's it's a little confusing, but if we think about it through the lens, and again, I don't know that he's going to get an extension. It's very possible that they come to the table. Sim- I mean, they came to the table with Jordy, technically, and that was sort of a nothing come to the table situation. Maybe they view A.J. Dillon as leverage and they're trying to lowball or whatever, and it's not going to work out and we let him go. All those things are possible. But it's still reaching out. And the only, the, the, I guess the best case scenario I can picture in my mind is the fact that they do view this sort of as a Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara combination. A very valuable, not just A.J. Dillon is the future, but a very valuable backfield that features Aaron Jones as their superstar, right? I mean, again, Alvin Kamara is not a 20-carry-per-game running back, but he is clearly one of the most valuable people on that team. I mean, maybe not to the degree that he was. Seemingly had a really big down year in 2019 for whatever reason. I don't know, but that's not really the point. The, 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 and there's, there's so much speculation, it's hard to do anything super concrete at this point. But if we just leave aside the fact of what the statistics say about running backs, especially for over, overpaying running backs, it's, it's hard to even get the words out for some reason. <laughs> It's nice to hear that it sounds like they want to keep Aaron Jones. I don't know exactly how it's financially possible, not just because we don't have money, which isn't necessarily the case, but just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. It'll work itself out. I'm just surprised by that. I'm very surprised by that. I did not expect to hear anything. I mean, I haven't even heard anything about, you know, Bakhtiari. Kenny Clark, for that matter. There's there's no news. And we're hearing Aaron Jones is getting contract talks. And who knows? Maybe the, the number won't be as high as we think. I, I would be surprised... And I'll tell you right now, if we pay him $15 million a year, I'm going to be a little bit upset about it, because I don't really care how good he is. That seems like an irresponsible move. So there's, there's a lot of scenarios in which this doesn't turn out in a way that I'm happy. But I'm just trying to focus, because we don't know anything now, on the fact that the Packers seem to be trying to retain Aaron Jones, and that should make us happy. If we just leave it at that and don't get too specific, which we don't need to at this point, I think we can look at this as something to be happy about. Does that kind of make sense? I hope so, because we're just going to leave it there and move on to the Detroit Lions. In fact, we're going to take a break here so that we can uh, do an uninterrupted look at the Detroit Lions. We'll be right back. So let's start by looking at uh, last year. The Detroit Lions, despite my prediction, not well, it wasn't so much a prediction. It was a, this is a decent enough roster. There's reason to be concerned. Despite all of that, they did what the Lions tend to do, which is dis- disappoint anyone who decides to put faith in them. I shouldn't say disappoint. I was glad to see it. But they went 3-12. and 12. Well, 3-12-1. and 3-12. and 12. It doesn't matter. They won three games is, is kind of the main point that needs to be highlighted here. The other really important part to highlight isn't just that 
they only won three games, or let me put it this way, there were four times they didn't lose. Three of those times were in the first three games. They tied the Arizona Cardinals. They beat the Chargers 13-10. to They beat the Eagles 27-24. Please notice how we are now talking about being up six points through three games. After that, they lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Packers. They lost to the Vikings. They beat the Giants by five. They lost to the Raiders, lost to the Bears, lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Redskins, lost to the Bears, lost to the Vikings, lost to the Buccaneers, lost to the Broncos, lost to the Packers again. Now, to be fair, some of these were pretty close losses as well, but they also got smoked several times. 27-17 Broncos, 38-17 Bucks, 27-22-7 Vikings, 35-27 Cowboys, etc., etc., 42-30 Vikings, whatever. Now, one thing that definitely needs to be highlighted is the fact that Matt Stafford didn't play the full year. And one of the things I looked at last year was the fact of what is the difference. And this is a thing that I highlighted before we played them uh, week 17 as a reason to be somewhat concerned because Matt Stafford was back. If you look at the yardage difference between when Matt Stafford is there and when he's not, it's, it's ridiculous. And I wish I still had all that information. And I'm not going to go back and do the math because, again, we're short on time. But it I went through all the different stats, and the, the difference between with Matt Stafford and with whoever their backup was at the time, I think they went through two different guys, it was just disgusting. However, it should also be noted, despite the fact that Matt Stafford actually graded out very well, the fact that he didn't just play in one or two games. He played in weeks one, two, and three, which on the, at that point they were two and one. But he also was a part of the loss to Kansas City, the loss to Green Bay, the loss to Minnesota, the loss to the Giants, and the loss to the Oakland Raiders. Oh no, he wasn't back. I thought he. W- I don't know why I did that episode then. It must have been about something. I thought it was because I wanted to prepare ourselves, but apparently that's not the case. He was out week nine, never came back. My apologies. But anyways, th- this is sort of the concern, but not... Con- that. That's the whole thing with the Lions. There's a million reasons I can point to. Look, we can't underestimate this team. We gotta watch out. We gotta be careful. You never know. But every single time I do that, there's nothing that ever comes of it. So the entire look is going to be, here's the strengths, here's the reasons we should be scared. However, they won three games last year. And that, and that's, that's the, the Detroit Lions in a nutshell. Matt Stafford, similar to Kirk Cousins, actually had a pretty good year last year. In fact, PFF graded him as the seventh highest graded quarterback in all of football. Aaron Rodgers, for reference, was ninth. Kirk Cousins was fourth. Similar to Kirk Cousins, this was actually Matt Stafford's highest-graded season ever. Kind of frustrating for Lions fans, I'm sure, that he was injured. Now, you could look at it and say, well, it's because it was an abbreviated season. Had he been able to play out the whole year, it probably would have been much lower. That's entirely possible. Either way, it was still a fairly good season. Maybe it wouldn't have been his best, but it would have been up there. So despite the fact that he's 32 years old, there doesn't seem to be any decline in his play. As per usual, Matthew Stafford was very high in his yards per completion. He's got a great team. And, and I think the Lions are not talked about enough in this regard. I don't even talk about them enough. Yesterday, I talked about the 4th and 15 thing and talked about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Saints and teams that are kind of known for that. Matt Stafford is the second highest yards per attempt quarterback. And here's another surprise for you. Guess who's number one? You're not going to be able to. It's Ryan Tannehill. 9.6 yards per attempt for Ryan Tannehill. You know who's third? Jimmy Garoppolo. This is this is a whole other episode in and of itself. Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo are the guys that we think about when we think in terms of what Aaron Rodgers needs to become. And we think about dink and dunk passes. One of the other things that gets left out of that equation, by the way, Dak Prescott is fifth. Another guy you don't think about as an air-it-out type quarterback. 
But the interesting thing about it, I think, again, not I'll try not to get super sidetracked here, is the fact that the run sets up the pass, and it's not just any pass, typically it's play action. And when you're setting up play action and you're trying to get guys to bite up, you're usually not throwing a five-yard pass. It doesn't make sense to get the linebackers to bite up and then try to throw a short pass over the middle where the linebackers just jumped up into. Even if you're going to throw it over the linebackers, you're going to throw that 10-15 yards down the field. Anyways, that isn't the case necessarily with Matt Stafford, who just likes to straight up launch it down the field. The guy had 19 touchdowns and 5 interceptions. For reference, and again, people, you know, oh, Matt Stafford was graded that high, that's why PFF is a joke. Okay, he had 19 touchdowns. He played in 8 games. If he played a full season, that comes out to 38 touchdowns. That would have put him number one in the NFL above Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had 36. The next highest was Jameis with 33. Only three or four quarterbacks had even 30 touchdowns. So again, we we come back to the fact that this is a very dangerous team. And we saw that when we played them. You can see the lethality of the team. You can see how if you're not on your game and you're not paying attention, this team can just rip your throat out. But but, But we're all kept safe by the ineptitude of the franchise. This is better than a three-win team by a mile. But I guess before we get into the specifics of the team, let's look at the differences between 2020 and last year. So number one right off the bat, obviously they lost Rick Wagner to the Green Bay Packers. They did go out and replace him with Halapalovati Vaitai. I love that I can say his name. It just, it, it just gives me a sense of pride. It's kind of like that, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck of a woodchuck could... I mean, that's one of the easiest. Everybody can do that one, but it still kind of feels cool to say it. Or the pick to peck of pickle peppers thing. You know, you just, you get it down and it's like, boom. You got to like tell grandma, like, hey, grandma, check this out. How much would you say? How much would Are you impressed? Can I get an ice cream? You know? So anyways, they went out and got Halapalivate. Ah, messed it up. Not much of a downgrade. So they're okay there. Also, he's much younger. So one of the somewhat bigger departures was Mr. Damon Snacks Harrison, who we all um, laughed hysterically about because it, <laughs> we heard the news that he wanted out badly, and in fact, probably the funniest thing I've ever heard in regards to a player, and um, something funny in regard to laughing at a division rival, Damon Harrison, when he got a call from the Lions, didn't want to pick it up. <laughs> he was so distraught, and he was sitting there looking at it with his head in his hands, just thinking, oh no, oh no, how do I get out of this? So Mr. Snacks Harrison is gone, and that is something they have not really uh, upgraded. This has for a very long time been a pretty strong defensive line. Interestingly enough, just a year or two ago, they had a very strong interior with no pass rusher. This year, extremely weak interior. I mean, they do have Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton is pretty overrated. Obviously, they went and got him from the Patriots because that's all this team knows how to do is get extra Patriots players, which is just ridiculous. But Danny Shelton has never really lived up to the hype. I really like Danny coming out of college. I guess he fills that Snacks Harrison void, but he's never been anywhere near that, and the odds that he's going to surpass what Snacks brought, even on a down year, is very low. Um, I mean, Nick Williams, who was a bear, I mean, it's just, there's, there's nothing really there. Um, however, the exterior of the team, they still have Flowers, and Flowers did have a good year last year. It was nowhere near as good as he was with the, the Patriots and, and the reason everybody was excited about him, but he is a good football player. And then they went out and got Jamie Collin, because again, they don't know how to do anything, so they just try to become the Patriots, which is why they're a joke. But um, yeah, so they're going to put Jamie Collins on the opposite side. Jamie Collins had a decent year last year, but Jamie Collins had a decent year last year in which the Patriots were one of the best defenses in all of football, maybe the best defense in all of football. 
the fact of the matter is he had a moderately good year in 2019 after three pretty bad years. And again, add in the fact that he is now a Detroit Lion, I don't expect much. But I guess you would say that the strength of this team is a little bit more on the exterior this year. The interior is very weak. And in general, when you look at a soft interior, which is much more soft than it had been, and the fact that they just have terrible linebackers. Depending on what Jelani Tavai can do, if he can take a step, which, you know, got to remember he was kind of mocked and the Lions were kind of mocked and ridiculed for even taking the guy in the second round, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then Jared Davis, who is legitimately one of the worst linebackers in all of football, another first round draft pick bust, like most of them. He's been just absolute garbage for three straight years, which is the reason they felt the need to take Jelani Tavai in the second round. Uh, but anyways, an, an additional departure was uh, Wiggins, the offensive guard. Excuse me, jeez. Graham Glasgow was the departure. Uh, Wiggins is the guy that's now in his place. That is somebody that's that's a pretty big loss. So defensive line has eroded a bit. Offensive line, it's still a pretty good offensive line. Wiggins and Dahl are kind of average, but Decker, Ragnow, and Vitae are pretty decent. It's still not a bad offensive line, but it did get a little bit worse. Um, departures that actually matter. Ashawn Robinson is now with the Rams. He was one of the reasons the interior was real strong. Um, you could almost call him a draft bust, but I think he got you what you kind of expect. He was a real big Alabama defensive tackle, just like my guy Raekwon, who was pretty good against the run and offered nothing as a pass rusher. That's what he was. At least the Lions had that. They no longer have that. Uh, they lost Trey Carson. I don't think that's going to be a big loss, especially considering they added DeAndre Swift. Now, the interesting thing is they had a pretty decent running back already. At least that was the perception of Carrion Johnson. Carrion Johnson in his first year graded out very, very highly. He got hurt for most of that year, so people were really concerned about it. But the fact that they're kind of just giving up on him already is, I, I guess, good news. When you invest this much in running backs, especially when you invest a second-round pick in a running back, who, by all accounts, is pretty good. Granted, he's been hurt two years in a row. But then you give up on him already? And then you go out and invest a second-round pick and another running back? I mean, I guess it's hard to be definitively scared of this team because they got a second-round pick running back that everybody really liked when he's replacing the last second-round pick that everybody really liked, that's actually kind of good. I mean, to be fair, it does make the team much more lethal. And Carrion Johnson is still on the team. So it's very possible that what they have is a one-two punch of Carrion Johnson, who's a great between-the-tackles running back, and DeAndre Swift is going to be a great receiver. Add in Jones and Amendola and Galladay and TJ Hawkinson going into his second year with a decent enough offensive line. Stafford coming off his best year ever. Again, everything is here to look at and be kind of scared of. The defense is kind of a joke, but offensively, this team can just rip your heart out. Again, that is the theme of the Detroit Lions. Everything is there. The only thing in their way is is, is the logo on their helmets. It's just cursed. I mean, they're, they're the Browns. The Browns are the exact same situation. They have a very good roster. They have a quarterback that even on a down year can can be middle of the pack. And in this case, we're talking about a top 10 quarterback. And really, it's not that much of a stretch to call Stafford top 10, because there's a pretty steep drop-off after a while. But even if he's not top 10, what is he, top 12, top 13? So many bad quarterbacks in the NFL. That's more or less all there is that kind of matter. They did lose two punters, which I guess is random and somewhat interesting, as well as their long snapper. So, I mean, I guess that's something to keep an eye on. Special teams is never important until you have a really bad unit, and then suddenly you realize how important it is. So, again, something to keep an eye on. Um, other additions that they brought in, they did bring in um, guard Josh Garnett. 
So any Lions fan listening, like, oh, you said he didn't replace. We got Garnett, dude. He's a first-round pick. Yeah, he's a first-round pick that the San Francisco 49ers let walk. He's a first-round pick that got a one-year, $1.3 million deal. Everything about this tells you he's not a good football player. You understand that, right? Nobody lets a first-round pick walk after two years. Nobody does that unless they're really, really bad. Especially when they're refusing to even meet a one-year, $1.3 million deal. The guy's not going to play. I'm sorry. He got signed as depth. I'm arguing with fictitious Lions fans that are starting fights with me in my mind. Let's see, I mentioned Nick Williams and Danny Shelton. Again, that doesn't even replace the guys that they already had in Snacks and Ashawn. Uh, they did add quarterback Chase Daniel. I think that gives them some real good depth. Um, at the very least, it puts them in a position if Stafford goes down again. I think they're going to be a better football team than they were last year. So that's a pretty solid pickup. Chase Daniel was a solid backup. I mean, we saw he was better than Trubisky when he came in for the most part. So not a bad situation, especially a three-year $13 million deal. They did add several cornerbacks. Desmond Trufant of the Atlanta Falcons is the biggest pickup. Trufant is not a great corner, but he's a capable corner. He's pretty consistently graded out in the low 70s, which is kind of just good. To be fair, that's kind of where Jair has been ranking in the decent category. Um, I think the general consensus is that Slay is significantly better, and this is a massive step back. I don't know that that's really the case. I've said it several times, Slay had a terrible year last year for whatever reason. It sounds like the whole team kind of just fell apart. But even when Slay was at his best, he wasn't significantly better. So Desmond Trufant maybe is just a half a step back. But then, of course, they also got their big addition of Jeff Okuda in the first round. So the combination of Okuda and Trufant is probably going to be an upgrade. But again, I'm hesitant to do what a lot of people do when you're evaluating things is assume that every draft pick is an upgrade. I don't I don't know why why people do that in the national sports media. Like they got Trufant, they got Okuda, so this is going to be a better year. Like if 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 this was ESPN, that's what I would be required to say. We don't know that Okuda is going to be any good. We assume he's going to be good. We certainly don't know Swift's going to be good. He's a second round pick. There's no guarantees in the second round or later. But anyways, I I will for the sake of I don't know, playing the odds, assume that Trufant and Okuda is better than Slay and nobody. Also, Coleman, who's a guy they picked up last year from the Seattle Seahawks who plays in the slot, he wasn't great last year, but he is a pretty good football player. Again, this is something to consider. Trufant is a decent player, but everybody seems to get worse when they come here. Coleman got worse. I guess Amendola didn't. The the defensive players get worse. So, possibly an upgrade. It it all depends on Okuda. If Okuda is a lockdown corner, this is going to be a pretty good corner group. And then you look at having decent enough pass rushers, pretty decent safeties, a great corner group. I mean, that that can get you a long way. It's not going to be everything, right? It'll be kind of similar to what the Packers have, where, except to a lesser degree, but where you've got good enough coverage, especially with the pass rushers, so it's kind of hard to pass against this team, but you can run all over them, no problem. Also, the pass rush isn't very good. Flowers is not a good pressure slash sack guy. I mean, he was with the Patriots, but I don't think he brought that much with Dallas. (laughs) The Patriots. I'm fading fast, folks. But the the other side of that of that coin is that you only need a sort of bend don't break kind of defense when you have this kind of offense. I mean, we're looking at you know 2011 style Packers offense. Not not I don't, I don't mean in terms of talent. I just mean in terms of strategy. We're going to score a lot of points and hope our defense can just kind of keep the other team under the points total that we score. But again, the problem is, do you have anybody that can make this all work? I mean, in order to do that, you got to be scoring 30-some points a game, and I didn't see that much last year. 
Uh, they also added safety Jaron Curse from the Minnesota Vikings. Fairly talented safety, but uh, again, every safety that goes to Minnesota is talented. We we have to see. It'll be interesting. A little bit of a, a case study to see what happens with these safeties because you got the DB coach now in Green Bay. You have several safe, uh, several. I think at least two safeties that left Minnesota and went to other places. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Are they just really good at acquiring the right talent? Are they really good at coaching them? Is it just the Zimmer scheme? Right, if, if, if the DB coach that came over to Green Bay doesn't help our DBs at all, that doesn't bode very well for him being the architect. And if Curse goes elsewhere and completely falls apart, then you kind of look at it and say, no, Zimmer's scheme is just, you know, plus talented players and all that stuff. That's all it was. Um, and then finally, the last couple additions, they added Geronimo Allison as a wide receiver. We know what he brings. Uh, he probably won't be on the field very much, but when he gets on there, he'll he'll help to convert those couple of third downs. Otherwise, they did add a couple linebackers because they're very, 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 uh, very bad. So they got Elijah Lee from the San Francisco 49ers and Reggie Ragland from the Kansas City Chiefs. I would actually say there's a decent chance that Reggie Ragland does start. If I had to guess, I would say it's going to be Jelani Tavai and Reggie Ragland will be the, the top two. They got to get Jared Davis off the field. So I think Jelani Tavai is going to be your more athletic kind of, uh, I mean, he didn't do a good job in coverage last year, but I think that's the expectation for Jelani Tavai while Reggie Ragland kind of holds down the, the ability to stop the run. So while Reggie Ragland isn't really a guy that you need to, you know, if, if, if Lions fans are doing backflips about Reggie Ragland, similar to Garnett, relax. Again, it was a one-year, $1 million deal from the Chiefs who really do not have a very good defense. Could probably use a little bit of help. They're not going to let Reggie Ragland walk if they really, really wanted him. However, given the circumstances that are there, you know, similar to the Packers, if we had gotten Reggie Raglan, he's not somebody you do backflips over, but it would be an upgrade. But anyways, that's more or less it. And then finally, you get into the draft. I already mentioned Jeff Okuda and DeAndre Swift. They also added Julian Aquara off the edge. We don't know what that brings, but it, you know, if it hits, it could be pretty consequential. Again, they've got Trey Flowers on one side. If, Oqu- if Oquara can prove to be a good pass rusher, that, that does provide a pretty solid dynamic for the team. They still are going to need help along the defensive tackle spot, which they did address in the 6th and 7th round with uh, John Panissini and Jashan Cornell. Also did add a couple guards, which which actually is, is pretty pretty interesting. They got Jonah Jackson from Ohio State and Logan Sternberg from Kentucky. Again, if, if these guys can hit, they've got a good center and pretty two pretty decent tackles. The weakest spots are their, their guard spot. If even one of these guys can be a hit, I mean, they're looking at a pretty good offensive line. So again, I, I, I can't get my head off the fact that this is a team that kind of scares me a little bit. And I come down to the fact that, well, it's the Lions, so we're going to be fine. But legitimately, let's say one of these guys hits. They, they don't even have bad guards, but, you know, they don't have good tackles, but they're good enough. I mean, the Packers will, will be able to beat these guys on occasion. But suddenly you've got a team that's got four out of five solid offensive linemen, and now we got some depth because they added a guard who, you know, the first-round guy who's going to be some depth, and then you got, let's say, Logan Sternberg as a pretty good backup. You've got a dual-threat running back group. You've got three decent enough wide receivers. One of them is a very good wide receiver. You've got, you know, I mean, at the very least, you got a pretty decent cornerback group, some good safeties, uh, Trey Flowers, maybe Okwara. The defense is certainly the weakest link here. But this is, I mean, just going through teams as often as I do, there's a lot of teams that are worse than this. I mean, even just looking at, at an elite team like the Chiefs has a lot more weak spots than the Lions. Now, granted, the Lions don't have any elite players like the Chiefs do. They don't have Tyreek Hill. They don't have Pat Mahomes. They don't have Travis Kelsey. They don't have uh, Mitchell Schwartz at tackle. You know, the, 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 the 
Chiefs have some elite components, but outside of Schwartz, the Lions have a better offensive line. The Lions have a much better group at wide receiver. When you have Hill and then you just have a massive drop-off, they've got three pretty good guys. The Chiefs did not even have a running back last year. They did go out and get Edwards Elair in the draft, but prior to that, they didn't have it. The Lions have better corners. The Lions have better pass rushers. The Lions have probably equally as good as safeties, maybe a little bit. You know, Tyron Matthews is pretty good. The Lions might even have better linebackers. So again, I'm, I'm just I'm going through this, and it's like, man, it, it's just... It also gives you hope for the Packers because it's not a matter of we need... The, and that's the other thing that annoys me with the we didn't get another wide receiver crowd. Neither did the Chiefs. Neither did the Ravens. And I know all the Ravens did draft a guy. Yeah, I understand they drafted a guy. What, in the third round? Devin Duvernay was their second, third round pick. I mean, whoop de doo The point is, though, they have very good coaches. They have a defensive coordinator who was able to take this pile of garbage defense and make it work. They have an offensive-minded coach and offensive coordinator who have the ability to take a good quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end trio and turn it into maybe the most lethal offense in football, despite the fact that they have a pretty lacking offensive line. No real depth at wide receiver and had no running back last year for the most part. You don't have to have everything perfect. And again, going back to the Detroit Lions, there's nothing wrong with their team. Nothing. I mean, they, they have more than enough. If they had... The ability to get a coach in here that knew how to coach, whether a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator or whoever, everything they have is he. They they have everything they need. This is not a bad roster. I mean, if we just strictly look at it in a Madden sense, to where it's not even so much. Well, I guess it does just come down to the player, right? Who's who's playing the game that matters? But but just looking at the the values, which is literally kind of what I'm looking at with PFF right now. I think this is a better roster than the Bears have. I can't say it's better than the Packers or the Vikings, but it's not massively farther. I mean, again, the the gap between the Packers and the Lions in terms of just the roster talent is nowhere near as far as the gap between 13 wins and 3 wins, which is about as wide of a gap as you can get. We're looking at a, a like a 10-win team versus an 8-win team. So, I mean, something to that effect. And even that, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how... You can count this team out as, as a roster that could win 10 games. And again, I, I know how silly this is. I remember last year when somebody, it was a giant thing that went all over Packers Twitter and Facebook and everything else, when somebody said that the Lions were a decent team and somebody just gave a look like, dude, what are you talking about? It's the Lions. And that guy ended up being right because, quote unquote, it's, dude, it's the Lions is kind of the only rationale you need as much as that's very shallow and you look at it and say that's dumb. It tends to be the case, and I don't know how to, to provide in-depth analysis of, yeah, but it's the Lions. I don't, I don't know how to do that. The only thing that I can say is that this is a dysfunctional group, and despite the fact that you're a good football player, when, when the people on this team are begging to get out, when you have people that leave that say, please, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there, I never wanted to be there, you've got, uh, I mean, people are getting shipped off when... Um, What's his name? He went to the Seahawks. Whatever. I can't look it up. I don't have time. The the safety that they shipped off, and everybody just shrugged their sh- or not shrugged their shoulders, but shook their head. Like, why would you do that? He was a good football player, and you needed him. And then you have Darius Slay, who is your star cornerback, come out and say, you know, this is dumb. Get me out of here. And then they get him out of there. It's just it, it's just a bad situation. And the fact of the matter is, we need to hope that 
I mean, best case scenario, the Packers win the division and the Lions are second in the division. Because what we need is for the guys who are fighting for their job to keep their job. We need this coach and this GM to keep their job. Because worst case scenario, they get some competent people in here who take control of this roster and they actually start making stuff happen. And, and keep in mind, when Stafford was playing, and that's through Week 9, the record was 3-4-1. and one. So they were pretty close to being 8-8. Eight and eight. They only lost to the Chiefs by 4 points, which is pretty impressive. They lost to the Packers by 1 point. The Vikings completely tore them up. They lost to the Giants, which is... Or no, they beat the Giants, I'm sorry. I was going to say, that's, that's humiliating. So they beat the Giants, and they scored 31 points doing it. And then came the more humiliating loss to the Oakland Raiders, 24-31. to 31. But again, just just looking at the scores, and and remember, this is a team that's going to want to score a lot of points and just have their defense keep them down a little bit. They scored 27, 13, not great, 27, 30, 22, 30, 31, 24. I mean, they're, they're hanging out in the 30s about half the time with two games at 27. I mean, if you look at it from the standpoint of where were the Chicago Bears, and I'm not trying to say this is going to be the 2018 Chicago Bears, but... In 2019, I was saying, beware of the Chicago Bears. Everybody thought the Bears were a joke. Everybody thought the Bears were a joke. And and we, we played them week one in 2018, and um, everybody thought everybody was worried about week two. Like, well, we know we're going to beat the Bears because they're garbage, but what about week two? And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, we got to watch out for the Bears. They're on the cusp of winning just about every single game that they play. They're very close. I think they were like 8-8 eight and eight the year before, and the games that they lost were by about three points, and it was always down to the wire, but it was just their dumb quarterback would make some kind of a mistake, or somebody would fumble, or there would be a bad call, and they would lose the game. But it was so close. And again, with Matt Stafford on the field, they were 3-4-1. and one. They're scoring, on average, 25.5 points per game. They upgraded their cornerback group. They added a pass rusher. They upgraded their offensive line. They got a second running back. I don't know that the Lions are, I, I, I don't, we're not to the Bears yet, and I can't say definitively, but I, at this point, I think I'm more concerned about the Lions than I am concerned about the Bears. The Vikings, of course, are a threat. I just, I look at the Bears, and I see a team that's floundering, I see a team that's not adding talent, I see a team that is sliding despite their talent, and they don't even have that much talent anymore, despite having a couple elite pieces. They have a very good wide receiver, of course, one of the better pass rushers in all of football. They've got talent in different places, but they don't know what they're doing. And they're slipping, and they're sliding, and they're barely trying to hang on. And of course, if they have a bounce back a little bit closer to what they did in 2018, second year under the defensive court, blah, 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 blah. But I can't look at it as black and white like I can with the Lions and say, nope, this is a good unit. I can't look at, at Foles and say, oh, he's going to do what Stafford can do. He doesn't have what Stafford, he's not as good as Stafford, and he doesn't have what Stafford has. Foles is not as good, and he has one wide receiver. No running back and a poor offensive line. Stafford was a top 10 quarterback, has a really good offensive line, has three wide receivers and two solid running backs. And he was already scoring 25 and a half points last year. I'm just saying, and I said this last year and I was wrong, but I was a year early with the Chicago Bears too. I've been a year early with several predictions. I said the Detroit Lions or the uh, Miami Dolphins would completely fall apart and be a garbage team a year too early. They ended up having some success at whatever it was, 2018 or whatever. And in 2019, they were one of the worst teams in football. I'm consistently a year early on my predictions. I said last year, we got to watch out for the Lions. It's possible I was a year early. We'll see. I don't know. I said all this last year and they won three games. All I'm saying is I have a really hard time looking at this team and saying, ha, 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 this is the worst team ever. We have nothing to worry about. It's fine. We'll just start with the Lions because they're so dumb and they're, they stink and they're ugly and Stafford has got a weird face. <laughs> Galladay. Like, that's not even like a name. Like, whatever. Like, Galladay. What can you even do? 
outside of you know being one of the best deep threats in all of football. Like, ew, you're you're gross. No, I'm gonna take it kind of seriously, especially since the Packers have a hard time with this team as it is. They really have a hard time beating the Lions, and it and it you know part of it is just the fact that some teams match up well against other teams, and I think the Lions just match up well. I really think part of it is the fact that the Lions are just kind of a good team. Again, the Packers just barely beat the Lions, but they're not the only ones. The Chargers and the Eagles lost to the Lions. Eagles are not that bad of a team. We lost to the Eagles, and they lost to the Lions. The Chiefs barely beat the Lions. The Bears only beat them by less than a score. Six points. Oh no, it was seven. It was seven. Whatever, still one score. The next time the Bears beat them by four. It was close, and that was with, without Stafford. There were several close games. And again, a lot of these, these you know, kind of blowouts, Tampa Bay 38-17. to Okay, but what if it's Stafford? Even if they lose, it's probably closer to 31-38. And it's hard to score 38 points when their offense goes three and out and you get the ball back all the time. So I don't know if they get 38 points either. Right? The Vikings beat them 20-7. to That's cool and all. But if you're scoring 20 points and Stafford is there, you're probably not going to win. You better score more than 20 points when Stafford's in. Same goes for the Packers winning 23-20. to If Stafford's there, we lose that game. Same with the Chicago Bears, 20-24. to I don't know that they win that game if Stafford is there. The Redskins won 19 to 16. I don't think they win if Stafford is there. Chicago Bears 13 to 20. I don't think they win. So if we just look at, you know, let's just let's go down that list. That's four wins, five wins, six wins, seven wins, eight wins. And again, eight wins isn't the end, you know, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But I think legitimately with Stafford they're an eight-win team, kind of similar to what the Bears were before they took off in 2018. At a minimum and we're talking about in the division, they're 1-1 one one with the Packers. They're 2-0 and against the Bears. Eh, yeah, 2-0 against the Bears, and then 1-1 one one against the Vikings. They got a pretty good in-division record. I, I, I just, I think they can compete. Maybe they're still fourth. I, I just, if this is the second best team in the division next year, I wouldn't be shocked. If I had to guess, I would say they're third. Assuming Stafford stays healthy, doesn't have a massive step back, you know, obviously anything can happen. The defense is still a big question mark, and, and, and it's generally problematic when your strategy is to try to score 30 points a game to win. It's hard to win that way, especially when your defense is not very good. But that's why you have to score so much, because teams are going to score 25 against you. The team ranked 26th in points allowed, 31st in yards allowed. It's a, the defense is rough. But again, if you just give them a halfway decent offensive coordinator, there's no reason this can't be a top five offense in the NFL. There's no reason. There's just not. Again, Stafford outplayed Rodgers last year. They have a very good offensive line. They have three good wide receivers and two good running backs. Maybe. None of them maybe are elite, but they've, they've, they've got so much more than a lot of other teams have. And if this team is is not more than 8-8, eight and eight, everybody should get fired. Because that's the... And, and I'm again, I'm happy about it. But the expect... If, if I'm in charge of this team, I'm telling you with, with no hesitation, if we are not in the playoffs, you're all getting fired. That is the standard. And I don't, I don't care if, if half the team gets hurt, including the quarterback. Now, maybe the GM doesn't get fired. Because, again, the roster is on point. I don't know that I need to fire the GM. Well, that's, that's a separate analysis that would need to take place. But it's, it's hard to blame the GM when, again, you've got good wide receivers and running backs and an offensive line and, and quarterbacks. And granted, the defense could use a little bit of work, but you've upgraded graded the corners and the safeties are pretty solid and you've brought in some pass rushers. I'm a little bit discouraged by the fact that you just keep bringing in Patriots players because your coach is telling you who to bring in and that these guys are not any good. Maybe you should tell your coach to cram it and just go out and get players that you think are good. I don't know. That's just me. But anyways, again, I don't want to keep going in circles. That That's where I'm at with the Lions. It's, it, it is a good roster. It just is. 
Are they going to be a good football team? Probably not. But again, my, my expectation is that they're third. I think it's entirely possible. They should give us a hard time. If they don't, then again, just fire everybody. Because it's pathetic. Especially now that you have a quarterback who's not only getting toward... Well, maybe it's not toward the end of his career. I don't know how long he wants to play. But he's getting up in age, and he's not slowing down at all. Take advantage of it! Jeez! I mean, we worry about the Packers not taking advantage of Aaron Rodgers because we don't win Super Bowls, except we get into the playoffs almost every year. Talk about squandering. Nobody knows how to squander like the Lions. One of the greatest running backs in history. Maybe the greatest wide receiver in NFL history. Squandered. Matt Stafford is a good quarterback. Squandered. And I'm not saying he's elite. I understand he's middle of the pack. But but they had a good quarterback last year. And if he's going to keep that level of play, same with Kirk Cousins. Maybe he just kind of regresses. That was an anomaly. He was, what was he, the fourth or fifth highest graded quarterback? He had a great year. Maybe he takes a step back, but same for the the Vikings, which we'll talk about maybe tomorrow or the next day, I don't know. But if you don't take advantage of this, you got to start asking questions, because it doesn't get much better than this. I mean, in the NFC North in general, this is a problem. This is a problem division-wide, right? The, the Bears had one of the best defenses ever, and they squandered it. The Packers have Rodgers and Devontae and Kenny and Zadarius and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Don't waste it. Don't squander it. Do something with it. The Vikings, oh my goodness, the defense, the quarterback, the wide receivers, the running back. Squander, squander, squander. The Lions are the kings of squandering. But the NFC North in general, somebody's got to step up, man. These guys, just year after year, there's just some of the best of whatever, right? Some of the, you know, Look at pass rushers, Daniil Hunter, Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, in the division. And then you got, again, look at the play of Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins. Three, I mean, it's hard to find that many good quarterbacks in one division. We're talking about basically almost three top ten quarterbacks. I mean, just mathematically, it would be nearly impossible to have that. I know Aaron Rodgers technically wasn't in the top ten via PFF, but whatever. He's, I mean, running backs. The Lions and the Packers and the Vikings just squandering. And again, you look at the Chiefs. they got holes everywhere. It's nothing but holes. They make it work. The 49ers have holes everywhere. They make it work. The Ravens don't even have wide receivers, and they get the best offense in football. The Patriots didn't really even have pass rushers, best defense in football. The Patriots don't ever have running backs. The Patriots have good, not great offensive line. The Patriots have mediocre at best wide receivers. They win the Super Bowl every year. At some point, you got to look at the fact that you've got a roster that is good enough, and you just got to do it. And that needs to be the message for every team in the NFC North. There's enough here. We got The Bears know they have a good enough team because they were able to do it in 2018. It's basically the same team. I'm saying I don't believe in them because, again, I think Fangio built that, and then you take a new scheme and go in a new direction. And you go the new court. Everything's new. It's hard to replicate 2018 when you go in a completely new direction with everything. But you obviously have the pieces. The Vikings have the pieces, the Packers have the pieces, the Lions have the pieces. No excuses. Somebody's got to man up in this division. I'm not saying I'm rooting for the other team, but just in general. I mean, it's it's a joke. Getting smacked around by teams that just, they don't have anything. My goodness. I, I, can't, I can't get my mind off the Chiefs. I really got to get going here, but this is a garbage cornerback group, dude. The linebackers, Hitchens, Wilson, Bashad Breland and and who is this? Jimmy Ward? No, Charvarius Ward at corner. Good. Oh, I think Jimmy Ward's a safety. It doesn't even matter. Frank Clark is wildly overrated. Okafor is a terrible. They don't have pass rushers. Derek Nadi is a terrible defensive. The only good football players on this entire defense is Tyron Matthew, who is a little bit overrated. He was ranked 16th as a safety. 
and then Chris Jones. This is basically, if we got rid of Zadarius, we got rid of Preston. Yeah, we, maybe we can keep Preston. Frank Clark and Preston Smith are graded about the same. Frank Clark, by the way, was graded 66th out of 102. Everybody gets mad when I say Frank Clark wasn't very good. He wasn't very good with Seattle. I mean, he, he was good, but he was wildly overrated. They picked him up. It was seen as this great free agent pickup. I said he's not going to be that good. He was worse than expected. But let's say we got rid of Zadarius. We would have to get rid of uh, Jair, at least. And then we got rid of... Nah, the safeties stay the same. Terrible linebackers, not great pass rushers. I know Preston, everyone's excited about him. Again, down the stretch, he didn't do much. So imagine if we had a defense that basically the only redeemable thing about it is Kenny Clark, Darnell Savage, and Adrian Amo. That was it. Everything else was gone. Everything else you love is gone. That's your defense. And then they've got Aaron Rodgers, they got Bakhtiari, they got uh, Devontae, and then, you know, add in some elite tight end that we don't have. And that's the whole team. We don't have... Balaga, we don't have Elton Jenkins, we don't have Corey Lindsley, right? Just downgrade all these guys. Billy Turner can stay. Um, our wide receivers can all stay, except one of them probably needs to go because Alan Lazard and Funchess, it would be too much talent. It would be like if we can keep Funchess as sort of a Sammy Watkins because Sammy Watkins is not that good. But then after that, we can't have Lazard because their number three wide receiver is Demarcus Robinson, who is, I don't even know who we have that would be that bad. Um, well, let's look. 54.9 is his grade. So, a slightly worse version of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He was literally worse than everybody on our entire team. Worse than Funches, worse than Lazard, worse than Kumaro, worse than MVS. So again, strip away all of that, and the only thing we add is a really good tight end. And we win the Super Bowl. We've got to stop with the excuses, man. Got to stop. Yeah, I know we need a tight end, but we have a better offensive line. We have the pass rush situation, the defensive tackles, the safeties, the corner. We, oh, it, it, this is enough. We have, we have plenty to win a Super Bowl. We do. No excuses is, is the mantra. And it needs to be for every team in the NFC North. If the Patriots can do it with this, not the Patriots, the, the Chiefs, but the Patriots too. But the Chiefs is what I meant. Same with the, the Ravens, by the way. Guess, guess, the Ravens don't have a pass rusher. They got Judon, who was ranked 43rd. They do have Peters, who's a good corner, but, you know, I mean, it's not its not bad, but, they, I mean, they've got holes, man. The interior of their offensive line is bad. They don't have a single good wide receiver. They have no pass rushers. Their linebackers were terrible. They added some, but their linebackers were garbage. Guess how many excuses they had? Zero. They didn't win a Super Bowl, but does anybody doubt they have more than enough talent? Of course not. We're not lacking anything. Do we have holes? Of course we have holes. Every single team has holes. I don't want to hear it. I don't care anymore. Every team in the NFC North, especially the Green Bay Packers right now, more than enough. And we hit every key marker. The quarterback, we got it. You need a wide receiver, we got it. You need an offensive line, we got it. You got to have pass rushers, got it. Got to have corners, got it. Got to have safeties, we got it. I mean, you get kind of far down the line before you start looking at where we're missing, which is linebacker and tight end. It would be nice, no question. And number two wide receiver, which again, I don't even think we don't have a number two. Funchess's grade last year was a 68.9. I would guess he grades higher than most number twos in the NFL, as does Alan Lazard. Legitimately, you look at, for example, I've been saying this whole time, the Lions have three good receivers. Adams, Funchess, and Lazard, as far as just grades, probably better than the Lions group. So I, I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm over it, man. I'm over the complaining. I'm over the whining. I'm over the lack of context. 
Oh, we're never going to win. Gutekunst is garbage. We don't have a linebacker. You're right, we don't, and I wish we did, and and Gutekunst could have done a better job, and that's all true, whatever. I don't care. More than enough talent here. More than enough. Lions have more than enough to literally win a Super Bowl. They won't, because they're a bad franchise, but I'm telling you, they have all the pieces you need. There's no excuses for them. The Bears have what they need. They've got a good enough quarterback who's literally won a Super Bowl. He was a Super Bowl champion quarterback. You've got the wide receiver. You have a good enough running back. Offensive line is not great, but it's good enough. The Vikings managed. You've got maybe the best pass rusher in football. You've got Akeem Hicks in the center. You've got good enough safety. Corners are iffy, but, you know, whatever. The Chiefs can manage. You can manage. The Vikings, again, pass rusher, wide receivers, uh, quarterback, running back, pass I said pass rush. Safeties, linebackers. Not great linebackers, but good enough. I'm going to keep banging that drum, man. I, I just don't I don't like their linebackers. I don't care. I don't care that he was the number one linebacker in football last year. I don't care. Anyways, I got to get out of here, but, you know. Again, no excuses. That's it. Put that on a t-shirt. No excuses. I'm tired of the whining and the moaning and the, the writhing. Oh, it's not good enough. I'm not ready yet. It it, 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 it kind of reminds me of, of um, what do they call it, wantrepreneurs? I don't know if I'm using that term right, but people that want to be like business owners. And there's, um, what is it called, analysis paralysis. There are certain people who want to like start businesses and whatnot, or start a podcast, or start a website, or whatever. I'm in podcast groups on Facebook, and I see it all the time. Like, I don't know what to do, and what do I need to buy, and how do I start, and what should I do? You know what you need to do? You need to talk into a microphone. You need to stop worrying about things and, and panicking, like, well, i got to get the right microphone, and i I got to build out a studio, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You have people spending over $1,000 building out a podcasting studio. Nobody can see you, dummy. It's a podcast. Like, check out my sweet studio, man. I got new flooring, and I got all this stuff, and check out this nice oak table. Bought a $400 microphone. I spent 30 bucks on this microphone. I got almost 800 episodes. Come on, man. Dude, talk into a microphone. That's how you start a podcast. It's, it's literally that simple. Stop worrying. Stop panicking. Stop saying, well, if we just get this, then we'll be ready. If I just do this, then I'll be ready. If I just line up the right guests, I'll be ready. If I get the right microphone, then I'll be ready. If I get the nice flooring, I'll be ready. I got, I got to get a studio figured out, then I'll be ready. I got to get the format down, then I'll get ready. No, just do it. We're ready. Go. We're ready for the Super Bowl. Go. It's time to go. Here we go. Go, Super Bowl. Ready, go. Good enough. I've said this several times, but this whole idea of we're not ready, until we have a perfect roster, we can't win a Super Bowl. That is the most ridiculous thing ever. Nobody has a perfect roster. Some teams are close. I think the Saints are kind of close. But it's not perfect. They're just lacking holes. But a lot of the teams that are lacking holes are pretty average. Like the Titans for a long time were lacking any real holes, but they didn't really have any elite talent either. Just kind of good across the board. And by the way, they were a garbage team. Because, again, just lacking holes doesn't make you a great team. Anyways, I, I gotta go. So that's it with the Lions. They, they, they got what they need, but they're the Lions. So anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.